From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up... Senate Democrats are committed to passing the American Rescue Plan to crush the virus, recover our economy, and deliver help to Americans who need it the most. That was Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer. He forgot to mention Democrats were committed to passing this nearly $2 trillion bill to pay off and bail out mismanaged blue states. But we'll talk about that and the U.S.'s approach to China with North Dakota Senator Kevin Kramer in just a moment. Also, the House selected to vote tonight on the Democrats' top priority, H.R. 1. We must ensure that all voters have a voice in their democracy, particularly in light of many grave challenges that our nation faces today. Yes, we do face challenges. That was Speaker Nancy Pelosi. The For the People, or more accurately, Stick It to the People Act, seeks to lock in place the election manipulations that took place this past November by usurping the role of states in conducting elections. Congressman Dan Bishop of North Carolina is here with more. And will Bank of America be changing its name to Bank of China? The left-leaning financial organization, which was recently criticized for turning over confidential records of clients who were in the D.C. area on January the 6th, has now cut off an anti-communist religious freedom advocate who has criticized the Chinese Communist Party. Bob Fu, president of China Aid and senior fellow for international religious freedom here at FRC, explains a little later. Also, another Christian ministry becomes just a ministry. Bethany Christian Services, an adoptive adoption agency that has worked with churches in placing children, has essentially announced they, they no longer feel constrained by Scripture. Rob Schwartzwalder, senior lecturer at Regent University and an adoptive father who used the services of Bethany, joins me later here on Washington Watch. The website, TonyPerkins.com. I encourage you to bookmark it, go to it. Lots of resources there for you including archived versions of Washington Watch. If you miss anything on your way home, well, go later to TonyPerkins.com. Also, if you're on the free speech platform Gab, which I encourage you to be, Gab.com, I'm at Tony underscore Perkins. And tonight is uh, Wednesday night. That means pray vote stand, 8 p.m. Eastern time. Florida Congressman Greg Stubbe, who was on the program with me yesterday, and Al Robertson of uh, Duck Dynasty will be my guest as we look at the now open hostility to Christianity in our nation, led by some of our political leaders. How should we pray and how should we respond? That's what we're talking about, talking about tonight at Pray Vote Stand, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Be sure and join us. Go to prayvotestand.org. All right, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer is pushing hard for the passage of the nearly $2 trillion Democratic boondoggle masquerading as COVID-19 relief. American people are overwhelmingly in support of this legislation. A majority of Democrats, independents, and in many polls, Republicans support this bill. It seems the only group that doesn't support this bill are Senate Republicans and House Republicans. Could it be that the reason Republicans in Congress are opposed is because unlike the American people, who are only hearing the favorable sound bites fed to them by the media, that these members of Congress know what is in the bill? Well, joining me now to help answer that question and talk about yesterday's Senate Armed Services Committee hearing regarding global security challenges is U.S. Senator Kevin Kramer of North Dakota. Senator, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Tony, for the opportunity. Always a pleasure. Well, let's first talk about the bill that will soon be before you because you're going to be uh, 
voting on a number of amendments uh, to probably tomorrow on this uh, reconciliation provision that's being used to pass this uh, almost $2 trillion COVID-19 relief bill. Uh, it, it does not appear that any Republicans are in support of it, and I would guess it's because you know what's in it. <laughs> well, you said it perfectly, by the way, and when when um, you know Chuck Schumer makes those those points that no, nobody but Republican members of Congress oppose it, he's wrong on the first point, and that is that there were actually was bipartisan opposition in the House. A couple of House Democrats actually voted against it for the same reason the Republicans did, and that is because they know what is in it. And the talking points that he that that the leader puts out and that the speaker puts out um, are barely a representation of the bill because it might surprise people to know that 91 percent of this COVID relief bill has nothing to do with COVID. And if yes. in fact they brought a bill in front of us that provided more money for getting the vaccines distributed more widely and faster and and, and some other assistance for direct COVID relief, they'd get 100 votes in the Senate. Yeah, so what does that 91% do? I mean, in part, part of what I've seen as I've looked at the bill is, number one, unlike the previous uh, coronavirus relief measures, this uh, completely does away with that firewall of protection that have been around uh, taxpayers in keeping them from being forced into partnership with Planned Parenthood and other abortion providers. In this, it's gone. It's gone. So you're talking about, of course, the, the Hyde Amendment, something that has had bipartisan support for over 40 years, and that is to prevent you know, taxpayer dollars from funding abortions. And they're so brazen in this bill that $414 billion of their spending is not Hyde protected. And they're doing it because, again, you talked about the reconciliation process. It only requires 50 senators to vote for it, and then Kamala Harris can break the tie. And there are many Democrats that are opposed to that. But if that was transparent, so remember, there's not been a single hearing on any of this. $2 trillion without a single hearing. No discussion across party lines, at least no overt discussions across party lines. When you don't have hearings, you don't have committee action. Of course, you don't need to discuss it with the other side, which means that it's away from the C-SPAN cameras and the media that cover these things. And that's what people don't know. And that's why our job over the next couple of days, Tony, is not just to stand up against this bill and not only to just to, to put offer amendments, but in the process of offering amendments, expose the things that the people don't know about that they didn't learn in the House because the House doesn't have as transparent a process as the Senate does with our what we call voterama, that is offering uh, unlimited, really, amendments on the floor of the Senate. And uh, we hope to be able to expose a lot of these problems. Well, you're going to have to do it on your own because uh, right. the media doesn't appear to want to help. In fact, uh, recent polling uh, just out today uh, the American people, actually, the majority, think the media is going awful soft on the Biden administration as compared to what they did to the Trump administration. Well, the fact that they don't hold him accountable for any of the things he said while he was running for president that he's now not doing, um, such as transparency, such as reaching across the aisle, such as being a moderate leader, such as you know holding up um, things like energy uh, energy development. And granted, we didn't expect him to be the same as Donald Trump, but he did say that he you know he supports things like fracking. I mean, you would think that at the very least they would hold him accountable for the promises he made that he's now already not keeping. 
um, and, and a bipartisan president doesn't spend the first you know 40 days just doing executive orders apart from the public arena and a, certainly apart from Congress itself. So, yeah, you're right. They've gone awfully soft on him. Not a big surprise. How about the fact that he hasn't even talked to them yet? I mean, you know, you, there used to be a time when reporters at the very least expected the president to talk to them. And at this point, he, he's yet to, to hold a, a news conference and directly talk to them to the media, even the even the playful, friendly media he doesn't talk to. I was talking with Senator Tom Cotton yesterday on this bill, and, and he he believes in part because what we just talked about, about mm-hmm. the not only the removing of the Hyde protections, but you've got uh, you've got about three hundred fifty million dollars, a billion dollars, excuse me, right? Yeah. Uh, going. I, I get. I know. It's, what's a billion here? Billion trillions right? now, Tony. Come on, keep up. I, I know. I know. I'm, I'm I'm behind times. I'm a throwback. Uh, yeah. Back when we actually dealt in millions. So three hundred fifty billion dollars. That's with a B. Going to mm-hmm. state governments. Most of those blue states that. Number one, cut off their revenue in some cases because they shut down their economies, and others are just plainly mismanaged. Right. Uh, they're getting payoffs in this, and that money can actually go to Planned Parenthood. Well, that's exactly right. In fact, the PPP program, which was one of the very popular, perhaps the most popular um, tool for small businesses to stay alive and and keep their employees on the payroll rather than put them on the unemployment rolls. Um, that that money they're allowing to be you know, go to Planned Parenthood. We made sure that that money could not go to Planned Parenthood. That certain types of organizations would not receive that money. And that's not even just a Hyde Amendment issue. That had more to do with the size of the organization, the associations, right, you right. know, and all those kinds of things. And they've they've changed that. The 350 billion for states, by the way, 27 billion. Surprise, surprise, is actually for California. And California, not only have they shut down their economy and, in, in my view, mismanaged many of their um, programs, they actually expect to have an increase in funding, in revenue this year, in, you know, regardless of all the bad decisions they've made. And they still get $27 billion. Now, the, the, what we're hearing now today is that a number of Democratic members of the Senate have realized that their state's not going to do very well by this. And so now they're talking about an amendment to the $350 billion, imagine, um, that would provide a, a sort of a, uh, a floor for everybody so that at least every state gets something, whether they need it or not, and then another formula that's a little more needs-based. And these are the kinds of things, Tony, that happen when, it, when a bill like this comes over to the Senate and, and it starts getting talked about, and people like right. you start covering it, and then you expose some of these major problems in the bill. And then Democrats themselves start finding out what's in it and going, well, well wait a minute. <laughs> Why didn't I get my cut? Exactly right. Exactly right. So yeah, I want my it, slab of bacon. Exactly. So it won't, the, the price tag may not go down, but, but hopefully the spending that survives in it will at least be better. Now, to be sure, you need to understand, I think you, you know this, I think you stated this, there's not a Republican yet that has announced support for this bill. I think there's only one that's even considering it. No, none of them supported it in the House. So regardless of how much better it gets, or shall I say how much worse it may get through the amendment process, either on the floor or in a manager's package that Chuck Schumer would put up, um, it's still a really bad deal for the American public because we're going to have to borrow all $2 trillion. And by the way, the economy is rolling back. <laughs> you know, revenues are coming right. back in. The best thing we can do is whip this stupid virus and open our businesses back up and let Two freedom minutes. rain. 
I, I, I got a clip from yesterday's uh, hearing, but I don't have time to play it because we're about out of time, and I want to get your thoughts on this based upon your questioning of uh, the witnesses there. You're, you're, th- this was on the strategic cha- or challenges, security challenges around the globe. Right. And you were asking questions about China. Are we taking the right approach to China, treating them as a competitor, or are we treating them as, as basically someone that is gunning for us? So one of the things that's happened over the last year or two is that China's been found out by a lot more people, and particularly Europeans and Americans. And so we have an administration coming in that's very pro-China that suddenly has to deal with some realities. And one of the, the question I asked was pretty basic, and it was General McMaster and, uh, and Dr. Tom Wright from the, from the Brookings Institution that were the, the uh, witnesses. And I said, are we right to keep treating China as a, quote, developing nation? When here we are, we, we claim, and rightfully so, that they're our number one adversary, militarily, politically, economically, and yet they get treated, they're called officially in a, a developing nation, well, we're a developed nation. That has a lot of ramifications, Tony, yes. uh, you know, in international affairs, as you know. And neither one of them really answered the question directly, but, but indirectly. I think it's clear. They are a developed nation, and if we're going to treat them like a near-peer adversary, we need to treat them like a near-peer adversary. I, I mean, we're giving them we're giving them money through the International yes. Monetary Fund. We're we're doing all these things for them, yet they're stealing our secrets, our yes. technology, and and they are working to undermine us. I mean, it's it's crazy. And building a massive be... military. Yes, and we're helping them. We're funding it. It's crazy. Time to stop, Senator. We're out of time. I want to thank you for joining us. Always great to talk with you. Always my pleasure. Thanks, Tony. All right, take care. All right, coming up next. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi has her number one priority on the House floor tonight. We talk about it next. Hey, Matt. Hey, Hannah. What's going on? Why so gloomy? Well, I'm a little disappointed. I had a lot planned to do during the stay-at-home time, and I just didn't do it. Oh, yeah? What did you have planned that you didn't get to do? Well, I was actually hoping I would finally be able to get time to do a regular Bible reading routine, and I started a couple of times. I just didn't stick with it. Don't be too down on yourself. Starting a new routine can be hard. But one way to help is to join in with others and to have a good game plan. I think I have a good solution for you. Oh, yeah? Tony Perkins and FRC are doing a two-year study in the Word. They have it all mapped out. When did they start? I I would be so far behind. Oh, that's not a problem. You can literally jump in any time. There's a daily reading just a couple of chapters a day with questions to help you think about what you're reading. Nice. Where can I find this? Go to frc.org slash Bible, and you can get started. Where's that again? frc.org slash Bible. Got it. Checking it out now. In our time, North Korea remains one of the world's most mysterious countries. Unfortunately, what we do know about North Korea indicates the country is also one of the world's worst abusers of human rights, including violations of religious freedom. The North Korean regime has engaged in an intense crackdown on religion for decades. Today, few religious believers remain, and those who do face grave danger. The secretive nature of the regime, nicknamed the Hermit Kingdom, makes it difficult for American leaders to address these human rights issues. Yet, even though options are limited, the gravity of the situation calls on Western countries to take every action possible to relieve the suffering of the North Korean people, a people who have no chance of speaking up for themselves. To learn more about this important issue, check out FRC's publication titled North Korea, the World's Foremost Violator of Religious Freedom. To access the information you need to stay informed, including a list of policy proposals, go to frc.org slash North Korea. 
Masculinity in America has never been under attack the way it is today. We've reached the point where the term itself is considered toxic or offensive to many. The consistent message in our nation is that masculinity by nature is bad and is the root cause of many of the problems plaguing our society. From his experience as a military combat officer and ordained minister of the gospel, Lieutenant General William Boykin has seen and dealt with firsthand the breakdown of leadership in our nation by the lack of godly men living lives of biblical purpose. In his latest book, Man to Man, Rediscovering Masculinity in a Challenging World, he addresses the essential elements of manhood as a provider, an instructor, a defender, a battle buddy, and a chaplain, and explains how to personally develop these traits and pass them to the next generation. Get your copy today of Man to Man, wherever books are sold. back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. Good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, Pray, Vote, Stand. You can uh, tune in, PrayVoteStand.org, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Al Robertson with Duck Dynasty going to be with us, as, as well as uh, Congressman Greg Stubbe of Florida. All right, the House is scheduled to vote on House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's top priority, H.R. 1, tonight. Now, earlier today, House Democrats held a prep rally with the press. In this face of the pandemic, a lot of jurisdictions made it easier for people to vote. They engaged in no-excuse uh, no absentee voting. They engaged in uh, early voting. And what did we see? The largest number of Americans voting in modern history. More Republicans voted, more Democrats voted, and you know who won? The American people won. After that enormous turnout, we saw Republican legislatures all over the country try and stop that voting, to stop the absentee voting, to impose barriers, to make it harder for Americans to vote. H.R. 1 would put a stop to that. That was Congresswoman Zoe Lofgren. She uh, is basically describing what the bill would do, and that is very far-reaching in its effects, but bottom line, this is designed to stop the states from addressing the election issues that were exposed in the last election. It will not make elections more secure. It will make them easier to manipulate. Joining me now to talk about this uh, H.R. 1, Stick It to the People Act, is U.S. Representative Dan Bishop, who represents the 9th Congressional District of North Carolina. Dan, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Tony. Glad to be with you again. Well, let's talk about the uh, the opposition, unified opposition among Republicans for this. I mean, you have states, you have about, I think, almost uh, over 160 pieces of legislation now at the state level moving through over 35 states to address the irregularities that took place in the last election. This, uh, as I read it, would lock in what basically happened in this last election. 100%. Tony, that's exactly right. This this is an historically unprecedented grab for total federal control over election processes that have that the default rule in the Constitution is they be left to the states. And the purpose that they that they are getting after in doing that is to institutionalize, to codify 
all of the abuses that people across the country heard about in great gory detail that uh, that created the problems in the election we just had. So they want to consolidate Democrat power so that they can never be challenged again by using the federal government to take all of that over. And see, the, the beauty of our system, our federalist system of federalism, is that, you know, if, if you've got a, a, a bad situation in one place, you've got time to fix it before the, the entire country goes south. And if you have one election system and it's manipulated, it is corrupted, it, it's very hard to fix that. And that's why you see all of these uh, actions at the state level right now that the Demo- Democrats are complaining about is that, this last election exposed weaknesses and problems in our system, and appropriately, state legislators are going about fixing them. Absolutely right, Tony. And that's so. Uh, the, the Constitution, as you say, it's a, it's the uh, you know the experiment, the lab of democracy that you know, states can fix things. But it also is the way in which states are remain important. Uh, in terms of uh, power distribution throughout our government to keep everything balanced is that state legislatures are empowered to do this under the Constitution. But all of these things we heard about that make fraud easier, they are now going to require. Force online automated voter registration, uh, same-day voter registration where you can't verify who the person is, no-excuse mail-in ballots. All these are forced across the country. Ballot harvesting, it goes on and on. This is very similar to what, uh, you know, California, when they gained a supermajority a few years ago, they moved very quickly to protect that supermajority by changing the election rules. And this is uh, this looks like a playbook right out of the Democratic Party in California. That's exactly right. And it follows the California pattern in specifics, too. They've got so they got uh, federal funding of campaigns. They'll put six dollars of taxpayers money into every camp in the. For every dollar raised in the campaigns, they'll strip legislatures of their power to set districts and put on, put that in the hands of bureaucrats everywhere. They change the FEC, which is, has balanced partisan-wise between Republicans and Democrats. They'll make it a sheerly partisan body. It is uh, all these things that have been rejected by the majority of legislatures across the country, the Democrats will force. And they use the absurd title of being for the People Act, you said it earlier, it's stick it to the People Act, or maybe alternatively said it is a for the politicians, for the Democrat or statist politicians act. That's what we have before us tonight, Tony. So, Dan Bishop, I know it's the the House, you just, you can't stop anything there. But what do the, what do our listeners need to do? Once it passes House, it goes to the Senate, but there's also this battle raging at the state level. So tell our listeners what they can do to, to be engaged in this, because this is an important issue. Write their legislators. Write, in, in this case, so much rests on what Joe Manchin from West Virginia does in the United States Senate. If I were listening out there to your radio program, I would write my two senators and Senator Manchin's office and say, do not pass this law. Uh, and uh, and so we've got to keep you know, the filibuster's got to remain healthy in the Senate. We've got to keep things like this from getting to 60. And then I would turn to your state legislators at the same time and and say, uh, you know, these bills that you're pursuing are extremely important. Please spare no effort. Uh, we demand that the integrity of our re- elections be restored, not that uh, people, uh, legislatures be rolled over 
uh, by uh, power-grabbing Democrats in Washington who want to institutionalize all the abuses that we've seen. Yeah, good advice. Very good advice. Coming from a former state legislator uh, and now a member of Congress, this is a role for the state legislatures, and they need to step up and uh, need to be encouraged to do so. Dan, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks, Tony. Glad to be, glad to be with you. All right, take care. All right, coming up next, Bank of America. They should change your name to Bank of China. Cutting off Bob Fu because he criticized China. He's going to be here to tell us the story next on Washington Watch. Don't go away. More Washington Watch to come right after this. The history of religious persecution in China is extensive, and many are not aware of the current oppression of religious groups taking place there. China restricts religious practice and oppresses religious minorities on a sweeping scale. This religious persecution targets those of every faith. Christians, Muslims, Tibetan Buddhists, and Falun Gong practitioners are all victims of the Chinese Communist Party's efforts to suppress any set beliefs that might compete with the party's ideology. This campaign against religion has had and continues to have devastating consequences for those who simply wish to live according to their conscience. Family Research Council's recently updated publication addresses China's consistent abuses of human rights and explains why they cannot be treated like any other country. Learn more about this issue by visiting frc.org slash China. Oh, man. What's wrong? I just missed Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, and our congressman was going to be on the show today. Oh, that's not a big deal. What do you mean? Well, you can always catch the replay of the day's show. How's that? With the Stand Firm app. Yeah? Yep, you can catch that day's program and so much more. You can contact your elected officials on campaigns and policies that are important to you with the Take Action tab. You can listen to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins live and play previous episodes while conveniently going about your day. You can access the Washington Update, informative blogs, tweets, and critical campaigns on the main feed so you can stay up to date on local and national news. Wow, I definitely use that. How do you find the app? Just visit frc.org slash app and download or search Stand Firm in the App Store. Okay, that's Stand Firm. Yep, Stand Firm. How do you know all this? Because I'm a SageCon, but that's another story. Huh? Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. Glad to have you. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, PrayVoteStand.org. Join us. We'll have Al Robertson from Duck Dynasty and Congressman Greg Stubbe of Florida will be joining us. We talked about this a few months back, uh, but protesters were basically stationed out in front of the home of Bob Fu, who is the president of China Aid and happens to be a senior fellow here at FRC for International Religious Freedom. Now, he lives in Texas, and they were bussing in these uh, Chinese protesters, uh, apparently funded by um, 
a uh, billionaire Chinese media executive, uh, Guo Winnie, who um, was just hounding Bob for some reason. But the uh, just recently, a a um, restraining order has been issued to uh, prevent these individuals from hounding Bob and his family. And that's one side of this. But he has continued to speak out against China's human rights abuses, in particular on the issue of religious freedom. And so without explanation, after a speech that he made critical of China, Bank of America closed all of his accounts that he's been doing business with for 20 years with no explanation. Now, remember, Bank of America has been criticized recently because they were the ones that handed over all the financial records or transactions of those who were in Washington, D.C. Uh, during January the 6th. What's this about? Well, here to tell us, Bob Fu uh, is uh, joining us. Bob, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Tony, for having me again. Yeah. Well, I, 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 let me first start with, I, I guess you're glad to have a little peace and quiet around your home now. That's right. Um, I'm thankful. I mean, you, uh, you would think that uh, at West Texas, this is the list if you would face a Chinese Communist Party invasion. Um, but uh, while we are fighting for religious freedom in China, the Communist Party's you know, persecution did not end up in China's own border by putting pastors in prison, by sentencing a pastor to five and a half years imprisonment for refusing to put a Communist Party leader's portrait on the wall of the church, by tearing down so many churches. So it, uh, its persecution, its long arm has already uh, moved to the U.S. territory. So I'm glad the federal judge um, issued this restraining order and uh, the uh, perpetrator led by this guy in New York City uh, made a consent at least before June 1st. He will be restrained wow. from coming back. My home. Amazing how brazen China is in, in, in harassing um, people here in the United States. We're not talking about in China. We're talking about here in the United States. But but I want to I want to transition. I'm, I'm glad that hopefully that will be behind you. Um, and as this has been exposed with media attention. But I, I want to talk now about Bank of America. I'm wondering, are they going to change their name to Bank of China because of your apparent criticism of the Communist Party in China? Without explanation, Bank of America has shut off all of your accounts after 20 years of business with him. What What is going on? It is a total shock to me. And, I mean, all my children, I mean, including our 16-year-old daughter, her debit card and her bank account were totally also shut down. And uh, we, the most mysterious thing was that uh, we, you know, uh, called the customer service, called the bank fraud service. And uh, the uh, Bank of America, they simply just uh, refused to give uh, any reasoning and just uh, declaring according to some mysterious uh, rules. They said, we have the absolutely right uh, to terminate anyone, anytime, without any obligation to tell you a reason. And uh, so yesterday, this is uh, the most update, and uh, they call me back all of a sudden. I, I don't know whether it's because a congressional friend 
calling or, or something and uh, said, said, oh, uh, by the way, um, your bank account uh, is uh, reopened while we're talking. I said, I mean, give me a reason for shutting down. He said, irreversible business decision. And all of a sudden, yesterday morning, said uh, it's reopened. I still have not been able to verify it's reopened, but that's what they told me. Um, wow. Uh, amazing how emboldened these uh, American companies are uh, just to trample on those with whom they disagree. It, it, it's, it's shocking. Uh, Bob Fu, thanks so much for uh, for joining us. Thank you for that update. And, and I do hope you get an answer. And if you do, I, I certainly want to hear what it is, their explanation for why I they just shut the down FBI. your account. I so the FBI is also asking. So I hope they can find an answer whether it's uh, Bank of America becomes Bank of China. All right. Thanks so much. Bob Fu, President of China Aid and Senior Fellow for International Religious Freedom here at FRC. Uh, folks, Look very carefully at who you do business with. I, I'm just not going to aid these companies that are going to be hostile toward... I mean, Bob Fu's an American citizen, came to this country and now is fighting for religious freedom and persecuted people in China and elsewhere in Asia. And you've got Bank of America. I don't know. On the strings of China? I don't know. All right, coming up next... Christian ministry, well, no longer Christian, just a ministry. We'll talk about Bethany Christian Services next with Rob Schwartzwalder. Don't go away. We're back. Get a trusted perspective on the news of the day every day. Listen to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins to get honest and in-depth commentary on what's going on in our nation's capital and around the world. Join Family Research Council President Tony Perkins live every weekday on over 800 radio stations across the country. Or listen to the show when it works for you by visiting TonyPerkins.com. On the show, you'll hear from guests like Ben Carson, Senator Josh Hawley, Representative Vicki Hartzler, Molly Hemingway, Pastor Jack Hibbs, Dana Lash, Sissy Graham Lynch, Pastor John MacArthur, Eric Metaxas, Albert Moeller, and more. Tony is joined by leading political figures, pastors, and policy and culture experts who will inspire you to be engaged and informed on the important issues facing America. For a Christian perspective on the news of the day, tune in to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins at TonyPerkins.com. Ever since the Supreme Court handed down its infamous Roe v. Wade decision in 1973 that legalized abortion nationwide, a national debate has raged over whether the government should fund abortion. In 1976, Congress banned taxpayer funding of abortion and Medicaid by passing the Hyde Amendment. Several states have followed suit, passing their own restrictions on abortion funding. However, because government funding is a complex system of joint federal and state programs, completely banning taxpayer funding for abortions and abortion businesses like Planned Parenthood is challenging. There is still much work to be done to free the American taxpayer from funding the horrific practice of abortion. Family Research Council's new publication clearly explains the Hyde Amendment and why we need to keep it in order to save taxpayers from being forced to fund abortion. 
Access this important information by visiting frc.org slash hide. What's on your daily or weekly reading list? Are you looking for honest and informative commentary from fellow believers on the current issues facing our culture? Family Research Council has just the thing. Check out FRC's blog at frcblog.com. The content on our blog is written by our policy experts as well as outside contributors. On our blog, you can read about a wide variety of topics, including religious liberty, life, marriage, family, sexuality, public policy, and the culture. Read up on some of our latest titles like Four Disturbing Trends in Religious Freedom Worldwide, Legitimizing Looting Jeopardizes Liberty for All, The Media Still Doesn't Get It, Conservatives Tend to Vote Conservative, and more. At Family Research Council, our mission is to advance faith, family, and freedom in the culture by helping you live out your faith and to stand for truth. Our blog is here to help you do that. Stay informed and get the resources you need at frcblog.com. I'm Tony Perkins, and you're listening to Washington Watch, the website, TonyPerkins.com. All of our programs archived there and other resources available there for you, including a morning devotional following our two-year journey through the Bible. Stand on the Word. It's at the bottom of the page. Just scroll down, and you'll see uh, today's version. And tonight, PrayVoteStand.org, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. We'll be joined by Al Robertson of Duck Dynasty. Also, we'll have uh, Congressman Greg Stubbe. Of Florida, uh, talking about the increasing, increasingly open hostility toward Christianity in America, coming primarily from our political leaders. We're going to talk about that tonight on Prevote Stand, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Be sure and join us. All right, after decades of serving families across America, honoring God in the process, establishing happy homes for children in need of adoption, Bethany Christian Services is now bowing down to the cultural winds, abandoning their biblical foundation. They announced that they will begin placing children in same-sex homes. Quote, we acknowledge that discussions about doctrine are important, but our sole job is to determine if a family can provide a safe, stable environment for children. Interesting. Well, joining me now to uh, to talk about this, Rob Swartzwalder, Senior Lecturer of General Education at Regent University and someone who is very familiar with the services at Bethany Christian Services, or I should just say Bethany Services. Rob, welcome back to Washington Watch. Great to be with you, Tony. Thanks for having me. Well, Rob, you are familiar. Uh, as an adoptive parent, you're very familiar with uh, not only the work of adoption agencies, but Bethany in particular. Yeah, we adopted all three of our children through Bethany, and when we did that, they were wonderful to work with. They went out of their way to accommodate us financially. They were um, very professional and also very compassionate. So this decision on their part to essentially abandon the clear teaching of the Scripture on which they were founded concerning human sexuality and marriage is really a tragedy, uh, not just for children, but I think even more for those who, uh, those of us who are willing to stand for the Word of God as it clearly um, articulates human sexuality and um, don't want to compromise that. I, I want to, for just a moment, for just a moment, I want to put aside the theological 
or as they referred to doctrine issues here. And I, and I want to go back to their statement. And, and, and I just, for the benefit of our listeners, Rob Schwartzwalder, while he's at uh, Regent University, used to be a senior vice president here at FRC at, in our policy shop before going to Regent. I want to go back to, the, to this quote. We acknowledge that discussion about doctrine are important, but our sole job is to determine if a family can provide a safe, stable environment for children. Okay, so put aside the doctrine aspect of this for a moment. Rob, when you look at the social science, uh, you're going to be hard-pressed to find a stable environment when you're talking about putting children in same-sex homes. Now, I, I know there's, there's anomalies, and there'll, there'll be some. You could probably point to one or two examples. But the social science makes very clear that the stability for children come when they have a mom and a dad that are married. There's no question, Tony, that the social science research demonstrate that children benefit most from not just having two adults, but from having a female mom and a male dad. Children need the complementary complementary relationship that a, a mother and a father have. Um, Dr. Paul Sullins, uh, formerly of Catholic University, filed an amicus brief in the Obergefell case uh, several years ago when, uh, on behalf of FRC, and he documented copiously the benefits of having a mom and a dad. Now, many um, same-sex couples... I'm sure they mean well and they uh, love their children, but we have to look not at the needs or the wants or the demands of adults, but what are the best interests of the children. And the children are benefited most when they're raised in a loving home with a mom and a dad. That's not just a Christian perspective. That's been documented from A to Z all across the literature. So we're turning a blind eye to that if we pretend Having both a mom and a dad doesn't matter. I want to go to something else they said, to, basically following along those lines. You know, they say, yeah, okay, that might be true, but the need is so great. And so they actually said the need is great, so we are taking an all-hands-on-deck approach, meaning the situation is so dire. We've got, uh, we just got to place kids wherever we can find a home for them. And I guess, Rob, my question would be, you know, could it be that the need is great because as a society and as a nation, we've moved further and further away from God's design for marriage and family? And if that is the case, and I, I clearly believe the evidence suggests that is true, would not accommodating this view of human sexuality that the Scripture itself calls an abomination only exacerbate the, this, this crisis? Well, you know, Tony, one thing that needs to be clarified is they say they want to take an all-hands-on-deck approach. The reality is 6% of married women between the ages of 15 and 44 cannot conceive. If you look at the data, that is millions of women. It's estimated by the National um, uh, Institutes of Health that one in seven couples have difficulty conceiving. And another statistic that I read indicates as many as 2 million couples in the United States want to adopt. There is no shortage of the number of people who want to adopt young children. And the reality is because we, as you just pointed out, have moved away from the biblical understanding and frankly, just the normal natural understanding of the value of children, we now have an abortion culture in which, as you know very well, 
somewhere around eight to 900,000 children are aborted every year. That's probably a low estimate. We also have a culture in which, in some ethnic groups, the number of abortions actually exceeds the number of live births. The upshot of it is, it's not about all hands. It's not about desperately trying to find families. When we adopted our children, we were only one of many couples who were trying to adopt. The, the birth mothers who so kindly and, and graciously entrusted their children to us had their pick of many couples on the list. That hasn't changed. So for them to say, oh, we're desperate or whatever, that is simply factually inaccurate. I don't know where that comes from. And I think it points to what you have noted, that in a desperate effort to move away and to, to accommodate, I should say, a culture that is jettisoning family as God designed it. Tragically, Bethany has now adopted this. We have to be liked. We can't be criticized. We're more concerned with the editorial page of the New York Times than we are with standing for truth and doing the best we can for these children. Uh, Rob Schwarzwalder, th this is a, a, a pattern that we've been watching over the last decade because of that external pressure of the, you know, LGBT community. I mean, we we had a shooting here. We had an LGBTQ uh, activist come in here, uh, designed with the intent of killing as many people as he could. And as you know, he shot one of our people here, and uh, and, and of course that's that's one aspect it, it probably what gets more people is not the fear of being physically attacked it's the social media post it's the as you pointed out the editorials the headlines but at what point does a christian ministry no longer is it no longer a christian ministry well I, you know tony you quoted them saying um talking about well doctrine is important this is not a difference between whether you baptize using uh, running water or still water or something minor like that. This goes to the heart of who God made us. He made us male and female. That's what Jesus affirmed. That's what God said in his word in Genesis. There are two genders, two complementary genders, complementary in every way. Human biology itself teaches us that God designed the family to be led by a mom and a dad. If we move away from that as professing Christians, we are jettisoning. We're turning away from the clearly revealed Word of God. How can people claim to be followers of Jesus, claim to say that He is their Lord, when despite what His Word explicitly and repeatedly says, they turn their backs on that, and in the name of some, whatever it might be, misguided compassion, moral cowardice, whatever else, and instead walk right into the trap that the world and the enemy himself have set for them. Jesus said, woe unto you when all men speak well of you. My fear for Bethany and for groups like this is they have written, in essence, Ichabod over their own ministries. And you and I both know that means the glory of God has departed. They yeah. have turned their backs on the Lord, and they are going to suffer the consequences for that, sadly. 
you know, as a as a Christian ministry, as you as you set out to be a Christian ministry, is that's what you claim to be. You, you, the Lord's going to hold you to a different standard standard than a secular, because a secular is not claiming the presence of God or the favor of God. As we read in the Old Testament with Israel, as long as they had the favor of God, they were in good shape. But when God removed His favor because of their disobedience and their rejection of His truth, the wheels began to come off. And, mm-hmm. and, I, and I've seen that with other ministries that have uh, jettisoned biblical truth. But as you point out, Rob, the scripture is very clear. These are not things that, like you said, they're not these these uh, finer points that you you know you debate because they're not really clear. Whether it's pre-tribulation, mid-trib, post-trib, right. you know, you can make arguments for that. Um, I'm going to get all kinds of emails about that. People are going to tell me which one is the right one. But, but the scripture is scripture's very clear, as you said, on gender. It's not, it's not even yeah. a question. It's, it's both in the New Testament and the Old Testament. Marriage, it's not, it's not, even, in, it's not even in question. It's, it's in the Old <laughs> Testament and it's in the New Testament. Is this why Christianity... And I would use the term orthodox from a standpoint of authentic, orthodox, orthopraxy, following Scripture as it is written. Um, Is that why Christianity is under such attack today, because it stands in the way of what the left ultimately wants to do? I think that's a huge part of it. We have the Word of God, which tells us what we say yes to and what we say no to. The way that God created human sexuality is good. It isn't narrow. It isn't cruel. He has given us the gift of covenant marriage so that we can rejoice in a lifelong partnership. That's a wonderful, joyful thing. You and I have both been married a long time. The Lord has blessed our marriages as we have stayed faithful to Him and to our spouses. That's part of the beauty of the humanity in which God created us. And as people look at those kinds of relationships, I hope they find meaning and attractiveness to them, but the world system continually calls people to a different form of life. Jesus said of Satan, he is a liar and a murderer from the beginning. And the lie that you can be sexually fulfilled by going against God's standards is pervasive. It's everywhere. Right. We, we see this, the advent of, I read few years ago, there were 20,000 new pornography sites annually. I'm sure it's more than that now. Um, This is a devastating attack. And I think the whole issue of the distortion of human sexuality is one of the principal ways that the church is being undermined. We, and I would say too, Tony, that too often times we accept the criticism we receive too freely. Now, when that criticism is legitimate, we have to take it. But too often, when we hear, oh, you're homophobic, you're a bigot, you are a hater, some of us are too willing to say, oh, that's true, I'm so sorry. Well, if there has been unkindness and cruelty, of course we need to repent of that. But standing for the truth of the Word of God is a loving thing to do. Uncompromising, unashamed, across the board, whatever it might be. And when we begin to... You know, you can't kick the leg out of a stool and expect the other three legs to hold it up. At some point, the whole thing is going to collapse. You either stand for the basic truth of the Word of God or you don't. You can't cut the Lordship of Jesus in half. 
And if we're going to be faithful to him, we have to be completely faithful. All right. Christianity is not a uh, smorgasbord. You can't pick... uh, Right. You can't pick just a few things here and there and skip the uh, the veggies and go to for the dessert. Um, Rob Swartzwalder, as always, great to have you on. Thanks so much for uh, for, for sharing your thoughts on, on this with us today. Thank you, Tony. My pleasure. All right, Rob Swartzwalder, Regent University, and a uh, a father who's adopted three children. And and I I want to just a couple minutes left, a few a few minutes left, a minute left. The the reality is, as we talked about biblical truth as it pertains to human sexuality, that's across the board, whether it's, whether it's heterosexual, homosexual, confused sexual, whatever it is, the reality is God's design for human sexuality is within the confines of marriage between a man and a woman in a lifelong relationship. That's the intent. Now, I know we, you know, we live in a fallen world. It doesn't always happen. But that should be what we should aspire to, and that's what God has promised, that he will bless. And as our policy should represent that, if we want a stable and secure country and culture. And we cannot back away from biblical truth. We absolutely cannot. All right, tune in tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern Time for Pray, Vote, Stand at prayvotestand.org. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you have taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.